Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast here on the DK Sports, Pittsburgh Sports podcasting network i am your host and moderator tom reed uh joined today by taylor haas and dave molinari and uh a little bit later uh we will be joined by the new seattle kraken uh radio announcer uh everett Fitzhugh. so uh we have some interesting things to talk about and one of the things i'm sure we will be asking him about is the one of the newest members of the kraken that is brandon tanif uh, I think a lot of fans' uh, worst fears were realized once they saw the ex- the the list of players that had been left exposed. I think they a lot of fans were hoping uh, maybe someone, anybody other than Brandon Tanev. Uh, but Ron Francis decided this was the way he was going to go. Uh, another thing we'll get in uh, with Everett a little bit later is that this team has this new Seattle team has a very physical edge to it, and certainly Brandon Tanev's going to be part of that uh taylor dave i'm sure neither one of you were shocked uh the the decision the way that the the kraken went with the pittsburgh pick taylor well no i mean first of all no one was shocked by 8 p.m because literally the entire (laughs) team except for detroit leaked like like so like (laughs) the reveal shows 8 p.m uh lists were due like to the nhl from seattle 10 a.m that morning everything had leaked by like two o'clock in the afternoon except for detroit and it's like okay millions of people (laughs) gonna tune in to see which depth player they took from detroit but um even before uh you know the buzz kill all the leaks ruin the surprise no not really well we we should give a, a a shout out to our our boy and friend of the 66 to 87 podcast, Frank Cervalli pretty much ruined the entire thing <laughs> by himself. Uh, I mean, I'm waiting for Frank to release the entire NHL schedule here. We're doing this show on Thursday afternoon. Frank will probably have that nailed down by six o'clock. Dave, same with you. Not, not surprised that I think you had even predicted this is the way that, that, that Ron Francis would go with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't be certain because, you know, the uh, the Pittsburgh piece was just one part of a 30-piece puzzle. So you, you couldn't know for sure that Tanev would be the guy that they, they would go for. But, you know, there there is a lot to like about him. You <clears throat> might not like having to pay him $3.5 million for four more years, <clears throat> but in the short term, at least, uh, I think he's a, a great addition for them. He'll uh, <clears throat> fit their the style that they seem intent on play, playing. Uh, he'll be he'll be good in that regard, and he he's the kind of guy who's going to generate interest among casual fans. I mean, he you know he plays a, a very entertaining game. So yeah, it was a uh, I thought it was a it was a pretty natural pick for for the Kraken. Uh, skipping ahead, we'll come back to another question here, but. Uh, on the we are recording this on Thursday. Ron Hextall did meet with a group uh, on Zoom in the media. Um, Taylor, what did he have to say as far as 
why they decided to go the way they did. And obviously two of the, 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 the people that they decided to pick was, or decided to, to protect, excuse me, uh, was Jeff Carter and, and also uh, T- Teddy Bluger, who had just signed a new deal. But he was, w- what factors do you think played into part there? Yeah, so, you know, people suspected that Malkin's status had a lot to do with that. I did ask um, Hextall, you know, with because Malkin, he had a surgery. Uh, that We don't really have a projected timeline. You know, when he had a surgery, they said um, he's going to be evaluated at a training camp, and then they'll have, you know, a better idea. But um, so there's that uncertainty. And I asked, you know, did that play a role in, in who you protected? Because, you know, they did protect four centers. You know, they're going to have – uh, that that center depth, and he said, um, he said it definitely it definitely uh, impacted their decision. He said um, there is uncertainty with Malkin for the start of the season, um, but uh, you know they looked at the the roster they have, and center was one of the weaker uh, you know positions that they had you know depth wise um, taking into account you know Malkin. So that he said that played a role. Um, so yeah, you have to wonder you know if Malkin. Uh, were were healthy? Would they have taken that gamble and you know maybe left Carter exposed to try to keep Tanev? But uh, yeah, he said Malkin Malkin's status definitely did play a role. Uh, both Dave and Taylor both have pieces up on DK Pittsburgh Sports right now as far as addressing the next question of and and several things with Dave's piece of kind of where they go from here. Uh, Dave, uh, f- from an outside standpoint, who might be candidate? that the Penguins may be looking at as far as to bring in a guy that, that brings maybe not the same, but a similar style that Brandon Tanev played. If indeed that, if they, they want to uh, kind of replace his, the way he played. You, yeah. I mean, there's not another Brandon Tanev out there. So, you know, they, they won't be bringing in a clone. Uh, if they, if they do it via free agency, the guy I think who stands out most to me is probably Joel Armia, uh, late of Montreal. Yeah, uh, plays the right side, good, responsible two-way player. I mean, he would, you know, he's a uh, a very good bottom six guy. An interesting guy who just kind of surfaced on Thursday is out of Edmonton, where the Oilers GM Ken Holland made it known that uh, former Penguin. Uh, Dominic Cahoon and a uh, left winger named Jujar Kara uh, will not be getting qualifying offers, which means they will be eligible for unrestricted free agency next week. And I like Cahoon. You know, he's an interesting player, but he's, uh, you know, he's kind of smallish. I don't necessarily see him in the, uh, you know, taking uh, Tanev's spot. But Kara could be an interesting case. He's six foot four, around two fifteen. I don't know if it's a stretch to say he plays even bigger than he is. He really seems to like to hit. Um, he seems to be the kind of guy that that this management team would be looking to uh, to add. I you know I don't know that he necessarily can play the game at the level that they would prefer. But if you get a really skilled guy who is really big and really physical, you're not going to be able to afford him. <laughs> no. So, you know, it's just kind of a guy to, uh, to put on the radar. I don't know if he would be interested in the penguins or if the penguins would be interested in him, but I think he's a guy to uh, keep an eye on when free agency gets going next week. 
Taylor, you wrote a story also as far as when in-house candidates uh, might possibly be able to fill that role. Uh, give our listeners a kind of a taste of what you wrote. Yeah, I so like you, I, I listed eight guys who are already under contract for next season, like in the system, prospects, guys in the AHL. Um, there's a lot of video in there, a lot of takes from uh, development coaches, uh, Wilkes-Barre's coach. Uh, the one who I would say is closest to Tanev style-wise um, is Jordy Bellery, someone we haven't seen yet. Uh, he plays mostly center. He does play some left wing. Uh, he played left wing for a handful of games in Wilkes-Barre last season. He, I mean, he hasn't played in the NHL yet. Um, and before last season, I would have said the biggest knock on his game was um, his speed. You know, he wasn't slow, but he wasn't, you know, the fastest guy. Um, he's always been a very good two-way player, very, you know, strong, he's reliable defensively, very physical. I mean, if you look at that, that article on this site, um, he's very stocky. He's he's heavier than Tanev. And I mean, there's there's a video of their, like, you know, Hershey guys just coming at him, trying to hit him, and they're just bouncing off like he's a wall. Um, but last offseason, he focused on his speed. That was his biggest thing. And he came in. Um, and uh, I mean, JD said right away that you know he he you could notice how how much faster Bellarive is. And then uh, once the game started going, um, it, it was noticeable on the ice. Um, just and his off he took steps off, um, offensively. He started scoring more, and part of that is because with the speed, he was able to create a lot more you know separation uh, for himself, given more time time and space. Uh, you know, to put up those points. So I think he's taken major steps. I'd like to see him get an NHL shot, see how uh, he adjusts. But, um, I mean, the other names on that list, not really going to be any surprises to you. Well, Casper Bjorkquist, just the hit, physical game, the strength he brings. Um, he did really kind of get – so he spent the last year in, in Finland. And that kind of skating around on the big ice, that did help his um, – his speed, you know, when Scott Young was on and we asked him about, you know, he he, he pointed to Bjork's speed as one of his uh, strengths now. Um, and then guys we've seen before, like Angelo, I thought he took uh, steps with his skating once he got sent down to the AHL. Just watching him, he was able to, you know, uh, set up breakaways for himself just by, you know, creating that separation. Um, Sam Lafferty, uh, I mean, the real thing with him last year was that he didn't score a goal in, what, 34 games, but... Uh, as a rookie, he he scored, you know, really more at a rate that's uh, you'd suspect or you expect for a fourth liner. And um, of the guys who did play in the NHL last season, the two guys with the closest um, uh, rate of hits, you know, per 60 minutes to Tanev were Angelo and Lafferty. Um, Angelo actually hit at a higher rate than Tanev um, for the ice time he played at, at, at five on five. Um, Drew O'Connor is another name. Um, I thought, you know, the big thing with him, he said, uh, the coaching staff wanted him to work on when he got sent down was his wall play. And I thought that ended up being one of his really big strengths by the end of the season. I mean, JD, I have quotes. And he, he talked about how great Drew uh, ended up being along the boards um, a lot. I have some highlights in there too. And then um, guys we've talked about before, uh, Poole and like Gary Hollander, guys I think should start in the AHL just, you know, to adjust to the pro game over here. Um, but they all kind of, you know, power forwards, um, Legere, he has the speed. Scott Young said he lost, you know, those 12 pounds, and it, you know, it really made a difference on his skating. Um, so, I mean, they have some guys who could earn, you know, a spot and really kind of fill that kind of fourth line role. Yeah. Um, as last with the last show, I dropped the ball as as running this running this outfit that uh, we did not get our <laughs> player evaluation in, uh, even though we talked a lot about him. So let's 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 quickly. Uh, I mean, fans remember what they saw with Jeff Carter came in. 
13 goals in 20 games, uh, was really good in the playoffs, I thought was their best player. Uh, I guess let's spin it forward, Dave. Uh, we were, I think, all, all, a little, all of us were a little surprised with the production that he was able to give them last year. Can he do that again th- next season? I mean, the team thought highly enough of him to keep a, a guy who's uh, going to be a rental basically at the end of this season or is going to probably retire at the end of the season around for one more year. Uh, can he do what he did last year? Well, he could be, you know, he also could uh, completely hit a wall when you, when you get up to 36, 37 years of age, you know, there, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to keep going or that the uh, process uh, of slowing down will be gradual. Um, I don't know that it's realistic to expect him to play at the level he did, you know, after they acquired him simply because, you know, that's uh, there aren't many players in the league of whom that would be a, uh, a realistic expectation. Yeah, but I certainly, you know, uh, you know, I, I I think he can contribute at, at least, even if it's not at the, at the level that he reached during uh, the stretch drive and and what passed for the playoffs here. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, beyond just the goal scoring, which we saw in the, 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 the shot, which has always been a part of his game, uh, came in and did a pretty nice job killing penalties, was really good at faceoffs. Even at times uh, when Teddy Bluger was struggling, they would throw him out there and just for the faceoff uh, and then get him off the ice. Uh, what did you see with him? And same question with Dave. Do you think that, that he can play to that level to really kind of justify – uh, the faith that they had in him and protecting him for this coming season. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the face-offs. So I remember when they traded for him and I kind of, you know, looked, I did, I wrote, you know, drive to the net analysis type piece on just kind of looking back at what he had been doing in L.A. And um, I remember writing, you know, one of the concerns was his face-offs because if you look at, like, in L.A., his face-off numbers really weren't good. Um, but then, you know, he comes here and he's one of the the better, you know, he's above 50%. Sometimes, some nights he's the only guy over 50%. Um, and like you said, they'll put him out there just to win face-offs. Um, but I'm, I think my concern would be, uh, you know, we saw what he did last year. That was a 56-game season. It's going back to normal schedule next year, more travel. Um and with his age, maybe that could take a, a harder toll on him. So he, I don't know, we might see him slow down by the end of the season. Um, it'll be uh, interesting to see, I guess, how he holds up, you know, back when they, you know, they go back to normal schedule. Um, but the way he finished the season, I, I would have to imagine that he's going to, you know, come back and uh, be scoring the way he was. Uh, he's probably going to start the season as second line center with, with walking out. So he's going to be in a prominent role getting prominent, you know, big, those big minutes. But um, yeah, just, I remember, I think we talked about, you know, it was like at the end of the regular season or when he, you know, they started the playoffs, like, I don't know who I'm going to vote for, for the con Smythe. Can I give it to Freddie and Jeff Carter? Because <laughs> the way they were playing together on a line and the points they were putting up, like they were really good. But um, so, uh, you know, Freddie, they're looking to resign him too. That's what I saw told Dave. So you can get that combination back. Uh, they worked really well together. On the 66 to 87 podcast, it always comes back to Freddie. All right, we are going to move on to the second segment. Uh, We'll be back in a minute, and then uh, please stick with us uh, for our third segment when we will be bringing in our play-by-play guy, new play-by-play guy for the Seattle Kraken. So stay with us. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, guys, the teams are, we know free agency is right around the corner, and that hasn't already stopped teams from already spending money, sometimes in reckless fashion, just setting themselves up for buyouts here in a few years. Uh, meanwhile, the Penguins are in a different mode. Their reality is they are look like they are trying to save some money. Uh, that's one of the things that we I think we could t- take out of last week uh, with uh, both the Jared McCann deal and then, you know, again, they're, they're saving some money uh, with Brandon Tanneff being plucked off their roster. Uh, Taylor is right now, this seems like for the next week or so, uh, a lot of teams, there's going to be the free agent frenzy. And it just, at least it feels to me like this, the, the Penguins may be on the sidelines kind of watching and kind of monitoring and see if some kind of some kind of deal is still out there when it's all over. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what Hextall said when he spoke on Thursday. Um, so I mean they do they did really free up some cap space, like uh, like you said, um, you know just over seven million. He said that was part of the reason uh, you know they were open to trading McCann. He said part of it you know was knowing that they'd lose another guy to you know Seattle and it'd give them an opportunity to become you know cap compliant. They still have a couple guys they're looking to re-sign. Aston Reeson's a horn of the RFAs. Um, and then of the unrestricted free agents, it's Rodriguez, Freddie, uh, and uh, Cody Cece. So if, you know, you lock all those guys up, um, there's really not going to be a whole lot of uh, room to play in, in, in free agency. And Hextel pretty much said that, that, you know, the, the big names that they're probably not going to be able to afford them. Um, he did say that, you know, come August, you know, some of the guys who didn't get signed in those opening days, you know, maybe they could sign. Uh, there would be some guys available to them then. But, uh, yeah, as as much cap space as the Penguins did free up, you know, over the last week, it, they still really don't have a ton. Now, we could see some moves coming trades um, to that would free up more cap space. But uh, with what they have now, there's really just not a whole lot. They're not going to make a big splash in free agency. Dave, can uh, can Ron Hextall just uh, close up shop after the draft on this weekend and head to the cabin in Manitoba, or <laughs> or should he stick around and maybe maybe something does fall to the Penguins a little bit later in the summer? Well, something uh, certainly could fall to them. Uh, I forget exactly how far into the draft or into free agency they were when they signed Cody Cece, but. You know, teams weren't exactly in hand-to-hand combat for the right to sign him. Uh, so, you know, you do occasionally get a bargain. And, and there might even be more of those this year than in a typical year just because so many teams have salary cap issues. You're probably not going to see as many clubs be as aggressive as normal in free agency. And, you know, there, there can always be a trade that, that comes along that, that opens some cap space that would allow Hextall to make a move that otherwise might not have been possible. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think he should be uh, heading for the cottage just yet. <laughs> I, I, I just feel, I feel in my bones the Rangers are getting prepared to do something really stupid, uh, like <laughs> Wade Redden, stupid, um, uh, Dan Boyle, stupid, uh, and maybe the Penguins can be one of these teams that benefit when the Rangers have to start scrambling and getting rid of other players. Uh, I we'll we'll see. Um, we as, as as Taylor mentioned earlier in our last segment, we we had Scott Young on uh, the other day, and it was interesting then in then to listen to um, uh, Ron Hextall in the group press conference, almost I don't want to say word for word, but certainly saying uh, that the player that they did acquire in the Jared McCann deal uh, has it has a decent chance at least a chance to see some time this year in Philip Hollander. Obviously, he he's f- familiar with the organization, having been traded to Toronto to begin with. Uh, you su- surprised at some of the stuff that, 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 that Hextall said, or, or, or you just feel it, that this is legit, Taylor, that, that he is, Philip Hollander is going to get a shot uh, when training camp opens to maybe either be here or be one of the first call-ups. Well, yeah, I mean, something, you know, Scott Young said was that he think because, you know, Hollander, he hasn't played in North America yet. That's not because he wasn't you know ready to move to the AHL. The Toronto did want to move him over last year, but the way it worked out, um, by the time, you know, tra- NHL training camps were in December, then we figured out, though, the AHL wasn't starting until February. It did really make him sen- sense to bring him over for NHL training camp, but then, uh, have him sit around in, until the AHL. So that's why Toronto left him in, in Sweden for last year. So next year when he comes over, it is going to be his first time playing in, in, in North America. But Scott Young said he thinks the way he plays, I mean, he's a, he's a power forward and um, he talked about how he's really good in front of the net and, and you know, the tight areas. He thinks it'll, it'll benefit him more playing on, uh, on the smaller ice. So if that's the case, then you, I mean, you have to, consider that you know he, he he would be one of the guys pushing for a spot because he really he did really play well um in sweden uh, i mean the, the past two years he was on lulia's uh top line he can play center and left wing so he does kind of give him that kind of versatility he he he's played mostly left wing the past two years but um i mean even last year you know scott Young said it seems like he's you know gotten faster uh, i he did uh start playing more minutes and he did started taking shots at a higher rate last year so uh, I mean, he seems to, you know, take it steps development wise, even since when the Penguins had him and when they had him, I mean, he was one of their top forward prospects. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's realistic that if, if he comes in and he really impresses in camp, I mean, he could really, you know, push for a spot, uh, especially that, you know, they, they are looking for guys to, uh, you know, replace guys who were lost in the bottom six. Dave, you have been um, mentioning off and on since we started this show about trying to find some net front presence and in listening to Scott Young, this is maybe something uh, that young Philip can uh, maybe add uh, to the Penguins, something that seems like they've been uh, uh, missing here uh, in the last year or so. Uh, yeah, he's a candidate. Uh, you know, I'll certainly, you know, and I, I liked what I saw of him when, you know, his during his first go-round in the organization. I thought he had real potential, and I thought it was a significant loss for them when they sent him to, uh, Toronto in the Kasperi Kapanen trade. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm hesitant to, you know, pencil him in for anything at the NHL level just yet. You know, we'll want to see how he adapts 
uh, you know, to uh, the, the competition at this level, see what he looks like in camp. And it's not a surprise that Ron Hextall, you know, said pretty much the same things about him that, that Scott Young did because Hextall acknowledged on Thursday that he has very little firsthand knowledge of Hollander's game. You know, he's gone primarily on, on what Patrick Alvin, the assistant GM, and the scouts have told him about uh, Hollander. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that he didn't strike out on his own with, a, with an evaluation. Right. As we mentioned, we're uh, going to have uh, Everett Fitzhugh, uh, the, the new uh, radio analyst for the Seattle Kraken, on in our next segment. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, the draft and uh, the expansion draft for the Kraken and not just – uh, the additions of Jared McCann, who they, they, they uh, plucked from Toronto, and, and of course, Brandon Tanev. Anything stand out to you guys about what they did, and maybe even in comparison to, to what Vegas did a, a couple of years ago? Anything surprises uh, for you, uh, Taylor? I mean, I, I think just how much they valued uh, this cap space. I mean, they have, what, $30 million with, with, with uh, which to work. And I know before the expansion draft, Ron Francis, he talked about how important having cap space was. But, I mean, I don't think uh, we expected them to, you know, come out of the expansion draft with quite that much, especially some of the bigger names. I mean, Dave and I both did mock drafts. I think I got maybe four or five players, right? Because the team I was building, I was closer to the cap. I, I wasn't building a team uh, when I was doing my mock. that was, you know, $30 million away from, from that 81.5 mark. So. I think uh, it was just surprising of, of that's you know, that that was their approach and that you know they are they they already are making deals and uh, and so I mean they could be really big players in free agency or in trades or uh, so it, it's just interesting to see that that's the way the direction they're going because that isn't something we really saw from Vegas. Dave, anyone uh, any thoughts on it? Maybe some surprises or moves you thought that they might make uh, beyond again the the Penguins' choices. Well, I, I also was struck by how much they seem to emphasize uh, preserving cap space. Uh, you know, there were some prominent players who could have uh, had an impact or at the very least could have been good trade fodder uh, for Ron Francis that he shied away from, uh, presumably in the in the interest of preserving cap space. Now, you know, how aggressive he will be about burning that in free agency remains to be seen. He, uh, he keeps his plans pretty much to himself. Uh, you know, so we, we really don't know what direction he will go, but you know, all things considered, uh, you know, dollar for dollar, I, I think they put together what should be a, you know, a fairly competitive and, and entertaining team with a lot of uh, room f- uh, to get better. Yeah. He was he was asked like I Ron Francis I, I stayed on the Zoom call for him after the expansion um, after the expansion draft and I mean we're recording on Thursday just a couple hours after the trade freeze ended and he was asked you know how many deals might there be on the on the table once the freeze is lifted and he said you know probably a lot less than you guys are thinking um, so it, it, it's really hard to tell you know what what's next I mean what they did trade Pitlick. Um, but I think we're, we're even now, a couple hours after the freeze, and we're really not seeing a whole lot of movement, at least not what we expected, given the amount of uh, cap space they have. Dave, you've been at this uh, for a few years. Um, 
couple. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I think you were there for the drafting of uh, Bob Battleship Kelly. Um, the do you recall going into a an NHL draft covering the Penguins where there just seemed like there was so little buzz? I know that there have been years where they were highly successful and they were drafting 31st or whatever, 30th or whatever the year, maybe 24th it was. But this does, it almost seems like, okay, Brandon Tanneff's gone. All right, what might we do in free agency or, you know, what's going to be their third jersey next year? Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it just a matter of that they just don't have many draft picks to deal with and they've only got like one in five days? Or am I reading the room wrong? Uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, this, uh, I don't think there is much of a buzz here, but uh, this seems like a, a, an embarrassment of riches compared to 2008 when they only had four picks compared to the five they have this year. And their earliest pick was in the fourth round uh, when they claimed franchise legend Nathan Moon with their pick. <laughs> They got one NHL man game out of the class of 2008. Ooh. So, you know, the, uh, the bar <laughs> for the 2021 draft uh, has been set. I suspect they'll clear it. We have no idea which individuals they will get, but I think the chances are that they will uh, probably at least double the man games played total of the, the class of 2008. Taylor, for our listeners, uh, remind us again, who, uh, when they draft, how many times they draft uh, in each round? Uh, they have one second round pick. The first, so the first round was moved out in the Zucker trade. They have their second round pick. Um, the third round pick was moved out in the Marlowe trade. Um, the fourth, they moved it out in the Kessel trade. They do have their fifth. The sixth, they traded for Marino, and they have three in the seventh. Um, the two additional sevens, the one they got from, uh, they did Branson trade, and the other one they got from, uh, swapping out uh, picks with the the seven of our picks with the Capitals last year. By the way, I did pull up the 2008 draft class. Nathan Moon, Alex Pachersky, um, I'm pretty sure the Penguins still have the rights to the goalie. Um, Patrick Colleen, I, I remember him in Wheeling, and Nick D'Agostino, who I also remember in Wheeling. Um, so great draft year for Wheeling. And uh, that, was, that was Alex Pachersky's debut. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they have. They still have his rights. Uh, he he moved back to Russia. I think he retired. But um, yeah, so hope, I mean, the Penguins should at least get a better uh, you know class out of out of out of this than 2008. Here's what I expect from Taylor this weekend, and I, I've I've still never met the woman, but I follow her work, <laughs> and we, we do this podcast every week. Taylor will have a list of 15 players that the Penguins good pe- good choices for those seven round picks. I, I know how you work, Taylor. I know how that mind I, operates of yours. I did I did one for the second round if, if people, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast before, the story's up on the site. And I mean, this year, that is probably as much of a crapshoot as, you know, drafting, uh, you know, picking guys for the seventh round in a normal draft year, just because of, you know, all the unknowns this year, you know, teams were scouting more guys more than others because of lack of travel. Some guys haven't played at all. Um, I'm going to throw out the name Red Savage, um, just the name. Um, he's a Ford. <laughs> he's American. Um, but the name Red Savage, he's supposed to go around then. Love that name. I think I tweeted months ago that he's going to be the pick. So um, 
I mean, if that's it, I want everyone to Venmo me $5 because you got this insider info. But <laughs> Money on the board. There you go. <laughs> we have money on the board there. All right. When we come back, we will uh, we will be joined uh, by Everett Fitzhugh, uh, the, the new uh, – well, of course he's new, but the, the radio voice of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, please stay with us on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, the new radio voice of the Seattle Kraken, Everett Fitzhugh. I, I say new, but it's you've been there for like a year, Everett. It seems like you, you've been there forever waiting to get started. Um, you're from Detroit originally. Uh, you have certainly paid your dues working working up through the minor leagues uh, to, to, to get this job. Cincinnati Cyclones. Uh, I think you were with this, uh, did some bowling green hockey yep. uh, over my hometown, Youngstown Phantoms. How did I miss you? Uh, <laughs> and uh, certainly congratulations are in order. It's all hockey. What was your, I mean, growing up in Detroit, do I need to ask, were you a Red Wing fan? Is that how you got into hockey so much? Yeah, I, I think initially it definitely was the Red Wings. They were, uh, when I when I was really young getting into the sport of hockey, they were going through that back-to-back cup run um, in 97, 98. But I actually became a hockey fan by watching the Edmonton Oilers. They had uh, two black players on their team. And for me, it was it was a really cool thing to see. It was an inspiring thing to see because, you know, I'd never seen someone who looked like me playing the game of hockey. So I, I became an Oilers fan, but the Red Wings are my hometown team. So whenever they won or, or going through those playoff matchups, it was a lot of fun watching it. And I, I give a lot of credit to those late 90s Red Wings teams uh, and, of course, the Edmonton Oilers for really birthing my, my hockey fandom. Yeah. Well, also, uh, Everett also becoming a little uh, some history of his own. First full time African American broadcaster yeah. in the NHL, and the only black play by play announcer in any professional uh, level of hockey. So, uh, I'm sure you take great pride in, in, like you were just saying, kind of the reason you got into this in, in some ways, or that your appreciation for the Oilers was getting to see people like. Uh, you know, of your color out there, and, and you were now kind of an inspiration for, for some broadcasters out there who love the game. Yeah, it was huge for me. And and I, I, I tell folks all the time that I don't really – you never set out to be the first. You never set out to be the trailblazer. But if you find yourself in that position, I think it's very important to take on that responsibility because – you know, I didn't have a whole lot of, of, of black influences within the game of hockey growing up. So when I did see the George the Rocks of the world, Jerome McGinley, Kevin Weeks, Anson Carter, uh, Mike Greer, I can go on and on. When I did see those guys playing the game, it let me know that I had a place in the game of hockey. And I, I want to be that same uh, inspiration, if I can, for the next generation of broadcaster, of hockey fan, uh, of hockey player. You know, I, I want that young black kid who is in Detroit right now or South Seattle or wherever to say, you know what, there is a place for me in this game. There, There's a place for my voice and my fandom within the game of hockey. And that's really important to me to, to have that representation within our sport. Yeah, good 
stuff. All right, let's get you some actual hockey questions now. <laughs> uh, when you look at this roster, uh, yeah. the, the roster that you guys put together, uh, the team put together last night, uh, one of the things that kind of stands out is this is kind of a physical team. Uh, you, you look at Brandon Tanev, we'll get to him a little bit more in a second, but Adam Larson, Yanni Gord, yeah. Jamie Alexiak. Was that intentional, or how do you, in talking with uh, Ron Francis and, and, the, and the head coach there, uh, Dave Haxall, how did that come together? You know, I, I think it was kind of a mixed bag because you want balance on your team. You've got – uh, a guy in Ron Francis who is very big on character. He uh, wants guys who are going to lead by example, represent this team on the ice, in the locker room, in the community. And then Dave Haxtell, who is a guy who really uh, is a fan of fast hockey. He wants his teams to be fast. He wants his teams to set the pace, make other teams play Seattle Kraken hockey. And within that is the physicality aspect of it. Again, you mentioned it, Larson, Alexiak, Tanev, right there. Three players who I, I think that are quickly going to endear themselves to the Seattle community uh, and, and our fan base just for being hard players to play against uh, players who are willing to, to block shots and hit and, 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 and lay a heavy body on guys and disrupt other teams. I think that is, is the, the big piece of this team. And, and like I said, it was a mixed bag of what they got, but I, I do believe the overarching theme of this team is going to be a tough, competitive, hard team. Uh, Taylor was mentioning uh, that it didn't look that it didn't look like it's taken long for Brandon Tanev to already kind of have a, build up a little bit of a fan base out there in Seattle uh, with, with what we saw on the show last night. Yeah, uh, how do you think he, a guy like that, with the way he plays the game, and you just mentioned about how uh, Dave Haxall likes speed, uh, they want a hard to play against guy. That is, he is the very definition of both of those things. You know, I, I think he will quickly become one of the workhorses of this team, one of the, 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 the A number one options on this team for that reason. I think you can use him in a variety of situations in a variety of areas on the ice. And, you know, uh, again, a guy who might not be a Crosby, might not be a McDavid, but he can go out there and do things that other players can't. And, and I think that's what Dave's looking for. I think that's what Ron is looking for. And everyone that I talk to in, in, in the area here, you know, th this is a new NHL market, not necessarily a new hockey market. We've got Western Hockey League teams here and all of that. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks that I talk to are they're on the on the on the, the, the train of, man, I hope we have some fighters. I hope we have some heavy hitters. I hope we have some edge to this team. And I don't think it gets edgier uh, than Brandon Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm just looking forward to seeing what his headshot's going to look like, his picture. I know he joked about that uh, last night where he looked like he saw a ghost. Yes, um, I interviewed him last night, and, and I uh, the last question that I asked him, I said, uh, so what, give me an interesting fact that people may not know about you. Uh -huh. And uh, he goes, well, if you've ever seen any of my headshots, whenever the, uh, the camera lens turns on me, my eyes get pretty wide. And uh, <laughs> that was that was the end of the interview. I couldn't stop laughing. So, yeah, I I'm looking forward to that first uh, that first Brandon Tanev headshot. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Ron Francis, he did kind of allude to this yesterday, but do you think how, you know, Vegas strong-armed teams to cut side deals a few years ago likely yeah. cut down on that from happening this time around? You know, teams are smarter this time around. 
I think so. Um, but that said, I also think because of, of the cap situation, teams are kind of forced now to maybe expose players. And we saw it uh, this past week, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, players or teams rather were forced to expose players that they may not have wanted to expose because of that salary cap room. I think now with um, the Kraken, with the trade of Tyler Pitlick, uh, you now have $30 million in cap space to play with. And I think the Kraken are going to be in a position to be massive, massive players in free agency and you you already drafted a pretty good core group of guys in the expansion draft and now you can use that core to go out and lure some potential big free agents you're now trying to see if you can get some assets to trade i wouldn't be surprised if if that trade market doesn't open up here before free agency to a get a couple of pieces b get a couple of assets and and make that more um, enticing for free agents when they when they want to sign on the 28th. There, there were some big names who were exposed by, by other teams. I mean, the Kraken, yeah. they did select Mark Giordano, but I mean, they passed on, you know, some big names like Price, Subban, Tarasenko, uh, Van Reems. Like, were you surprised by how much, or, you know, restraint Ron Francis uh, showed in passing on some of those guys? Yes and no. I, I think the hockey fan in me, sees Gabriel Landeskog and Carey Price and Tarasenko yeah. and you know the hockey fan in me is like what are you doing like whoa, whoa, <laughs> we, we, we got a we got an all-star hall of fame roster here but I, I think the analyst in me the the hockey guy in me you know there's a method to Ron Francis's madness so to speak and he plays things very close to the vest doesn't give a whole lot away so we knew that coming into the expansion draft there was going to be a game of chess being played in that I Ron Francis I want to make sure that we have enough money we have enough room to play with when it comes to the uh, the free agency market there are going to be some players that we may want to take, but their price is going to be a bit too high. Let's pass on these guys. Let's see what we can get in the free agency market. And also remember this, there are some players that were passed up on uh, in the expansion draft that are UFAs, RFAs coming up. So what's to say, mm -hmm. and I don't know this for sure, but what's to say Ron Francis didn't talk to uh, one or two of those guys and say, hey, we're not going to select you, but, you know, gentlemen's handshake agreement, um, you know, we'll, we'll come back to you on the 28th of July. Again, I don't know if that happened, but what's to say that that wasn't the case? So there is a, a big chess game going on, obviously, in this league and within the Hockey Ops uh, department here in Seattle. But with that salary cap being what it is for the next few seasons, I think this, uh, the Kraken are, are in a good spot to to really get a good core in place going into October. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Brandon Tanev is one of two guys on, on the Kraken uh, who were members of the Penguins at this time a week ago. Yeah. Uh, there hasn't been that much talk, though, about Jared McCann. Where do you think he fits into the plans out there? You know, I, I think, you know, this is a guy who you kind of feel bad for him. He was, uh, you know, traded to to Toronto only to be exposed, right? So um, I, I I like the move uh, for him. At 25 years old, he, he's got a pretty low cap hit, 32 points in 43 games last year. You really can't argue with that. I really like where he fits in um, in, in this role. 
And I also think a power play, uh, uh, you know, to, to start that power play, I think he's a good option there. I do see him making this team. I do see him having an impact on this team. And again, his ability to play on any of the top three lines from what we've seen in, in his past, he can really be a, a Swiss army knife, if you will. A guy that if you need him on the top line, great. If you need him on the second and third lines, great. Kill penalties on the power play. I, I like where he fits in with this team. And I think he'll be a guy that in pretty short order becomes one of those really big glue pieces for this franchise. And there was a time when you could assume that an expansion team wouldn't uh, finish its first season with anything more than the first pick in the next year's draft. Yeah. Uh, Vegas obviously changed that in in 2017, uh, making it all the way to the the cup final in, Mm -hmm. in its first year. What's a realistic goal uh, for Seattle as things stand now? Obviously, there will be a lot of personnel change uh, between now and, and the end of the season for the yeah. Kraken. But uh, going into the season, what's what's reasonable to expect of this club? You know, if, if I honestly feel like playoffs, that's the low bar because given the players that were drafted, the free agents that are available – and the division. I mean, Vegas is really the only guarantee when it comes to playoffs in the division. Well, as Edmondson, if you broke down the this year's playoffs by the normal non-COVID divisions, Vegas and Edmondson were your top two teams. And then I believe there was a 15-point gap between Edmonton at two and I believe it was Calgary at three. So there really is only one guaranteed team to make the playoffs. And I think that the Kraken should minimally contend for a playoff spot, be in the playoffs, depending on what happens in the year. Obviously, I I think that it's not out of the realm of possibility to see the Kraken contending for a division. You know, Vegas was very, very uh, good out of the gate. They hit a little bit of a dip midway through the season, but they were able to to get back uh, and, and make the cup final in their first season. So, you're 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 spot on as well with with expansion teams not being in a position to make the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, I read an article uh, last week, two weeks ago that said uh, the Vegas Golden Knights were the first expansion team uh, since, I want to say, 1964. The first expansion team since 64 to finish the season uh, with a winning record. And that's across sports, basketball, football, baseball, hockey. Any team, the Vegas Golden Knights were the only team to finish with a record above 500, let alone make the playoffs. So, you know, things have changed. Things have changed in the expansion uh, market, and I, and I definitely see this Kraken team as a playoff team minimally this season. All right. Ever great stuff. Uh, best of luck this season. I think everyone's going to be watching. I think they got fantastic uniforms. Oh, my goodness. How uh, great were those? Yeah, that, that, that looks really good. And certainly say hello to our friend Brandon Tanif and mm-hmm. uh, and McCann up there. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Ron Francis, and and that'll do it for us uh, this uh, this week on the sixty six to eighty seven podcast for our special guests Edward Fitzhugh, Taylor Haas, and Dave Molinari. This is Tom Reed, and we'll talk to you next week uh, on our podcast.